Take your Bibles and turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. In just a moment, we'll be looking at verse 6. Let's thank them again for leading us in worship. Didn't they do a great job today? I hope that you don't think that I just say that routinely. I, I really thank God for good music because I've heard bad music, all right? And I thank God for good music, don't you? And we, we don't have bad music here. Uh, I've preached in some places that there was bad music. But anyway, uh, I'll get off of that real quick. I can see my wife looking at me saying, hush, be still. All right. I am grateful today that uh, one of the ways that God has blessed us here at Bellevue, we're so blessed to have a lot of young people. And uh, I am grateful for that. I really am. I thank God that we have got a thriving preschool and children's ministry. We've got a lot of babies and we've got a lot of children. We also have a lot in our student ministry, middle school and high school. And our college ministry is off the chart, doing a great job. And that we have a lot of single young adults. My wife shared just the other night with over 100 of them at a dinner with Donna. And uh, she said she was so encouraged. And we also have a lot of young couples. And recently I was talking with one of our young couples here at Bellevue. And uh, it was very interesting uh, about the conversation. Uh, I was talking with the guy and the girl. And the girl said, you know, we uh, have several small children. And we live in an older house and we were just considering, you know, possibility of moving to a little bit larger house. But the market is such that it's just really hard for us to afford more than what we have right now. And she said, you know, uh, we need repairs. where We're, we're either going to have to make repairs of where we are or move somewhere else. So we thought, you know, if we could just take that money somehow and move to a larger place, that would be great. But they just didn't know what to do. They just felt stuck. Have you ever felt stuck financially? You just don't know exactly what to do. And about that time, they got a, mail, a piece of mail from Bellevue indicating how much they had given in 2019. And they had tithed to the church. And the girl said to me, she said, Preacher, I'll just be honest with you. When I looked at how much we had given the church and through, our, through our ties, I had a thought that, boy, we could have taken some of that money and used it for some of these needs or to buy a bigger house. She said, I know tithing is biblical, but I'm just telling you, I thought it. She <laughs> said, well, what happened? I'll tell you at the end of the sermon. You know, when you talk about tithing, there are a lot of people that jump up and say, that's Old Testament. Well, so is thou shalt not murder. A lot of things in the Old Testament that we still need to do, and we're going to see momentarily that tithing is a New Testament principle. It's not one of the most prominent or important, but it is important in the sense that Jesus commanded it in John 
in uh, Matthew 23, 23. And we'll look at that momentarily. But when I talk about this, you know, a lot of times people wonder, why do you take the first Sunday of every February and talk about prove the tithe? Well, I'll tell you why. It's the only time that I can find, and maybe you can find another one. Let me know. I stand to be corrected, but it's the only time I can find in the Bible that God says, put me to the test. Say that with me. Put me to the test. Every other time the Bible talks about testing God, it's a sin. Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So I guess we have to read that, unless God tells you to put him to the test. But just on your own, you don't, need, you don't have any business putting God to the test. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, Moses in that verse I just gave you in Deuteronomy 6, 16, when the devil was tempting him. The devil said in Matthew 4, 5 and following, the devil took him, Jesus, into the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, said to him, if you are the son of God. Interestingly, Jesus had just heard from God in the at his baptism, this is my beloved son. And the devil always questions the word of God, does he not? So here he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you on their hands. They will bear you up that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's out of uh, Psalm 91. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, quoting Deuteronomy 6. Peter talked about it was not good to put God to the test at the council at Jerusalem. We read about in Acts 15. He said, now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But there's at least one time, if not the only time in the Bible, God says, put me to the test. Try me out in this. Just, just try it. Do this. Test me in this. And that's in tithing. So let's talk about tithing, putting God to the test. Malachi 3, verse 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. That's one of the most beautiful statements in the Bible. Could we just say it together? For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. The only reason we are not consumed is because God doesn't change. He is a merciful God. Amen? From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, and if you have not kept them, return to me, and I will return to you. That's a very important principle. God is waiting on you to turn before he turns. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you say, how shall we return? And then, just like Jesus did all the time, God starts asking probing questions. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. Wow, it's getting serious. For you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse 
so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this. There it is, right there. Put me to the test, literally. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Let's talk about tithing. Tithing. First thing I would say to you is God's test to tithe is unchangeable. The technical theological term is immutable, but we don't know what that means. It means unchangeable. We can go with that. Look at verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. The Lord is immutable. He does not change. That means he's not reckless. He's not rash. He's not fickle. He's not unstable. He's not moody. Aren't you glad that God doesn't wake up in a different mood every day? God is God. He is steady. Don't you like to be around those kind of people? When you see somebody steady, normally it's somebody that knows Jesus. And he acts in accordance with his sovereign principles and purposes. Whatever God does, he planned it from eternity past. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? James 1:17. every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That just means God's not capricious. He's not different today than he was yesterday. No. And then verse six says, for I'm the Lord I don't change, therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. The only reason God had not wiped out sinful Israel was because he doesn't change. He's always merciful. I love Lamentations. Jeremiah wrote Lamentations, and he said in Lamentations 3, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When you wake up, God has already cooked up some new faithfulness and some new loving kindness, God will never run out. His compassions never fail. But while God doesn't change, you and I do change. We change. Verse 7, For from the days of your fathers, you've turned aside from my statutes, you have not kept them. From the day of Adam and Eve, we have disobeyed God. Verse 7, return to me, God says. I will return to you, says the Lord. Malachi, his, his call to tithe took place in the setting of God's unchangeable grace, his unchangeable expectation for his disciples. God's test to tithe is unchangeable. Again, all my life, I've, I've heard people just say, ah, preacher, you're messed up. You don't know. I can't tell you how many times I get told I don't know things. And there are some things I don't know. But I know that I know that what I'm preaching you today is the Bible. 
You may not like it, you may not agree with it, but you cannot say it's not scriptural, and you can't say it's Old Testament, it doesn't apply in the New Testament. I've had so many people say, it's like the sacrificial offerings, and, and, and you, you know, we don't do that anymore, and, and, and you're not supposed to tithe. There are two things that are hot buttons nowadays, drinking alcohol and tithing. Drinking alcohol and tithing. Well, I'm... I'm in liberty. I, I drink alcohol because Jesus drank wine. Jesus did drink wine. I want to tell you something. Jesus never got drunk. And what is drunk? Let's just go by the laws of the land, okay? What do you have to drink to get arrested or to get a severe ticket it's about one glass of wine or one beer. And I have seen people who are Christians drink three or four glasses of wine saying they have liberty. Look at me. I'll tell you how much liberty you've got. You go out and have a wreck and kill somebody, you're going to jail because it's against the law. If it's against man's law, Shouldn't it be against our law and God's law? So on the drinking thing, I just don't drink. Not mad at anybody. If you do, that's between you and God. That's between you and God. But I don't want to be a stumbling block. I didn't want my children to drink, so I'd never had it in the house. And I won't go off on that. I'm preaching on tithing. But I want to tell you something. Tithing brings up the same emotions that drinking does. Oh, that's Old Testament. I've got liberty. i got liberty. No, you don't have liberty. The people that tithe are the ones that have liberty. The people that don't are in bondage. I'll show you that momentarily. By the way, Jesus tithed, I believe. If he didn't, those Pharisees would have eaten him alive. But he taught tithing in Matthew 23, 23. Just look at it on the screen. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the way to your provisions of the law. You say, right there, tithe is not in the Bible, in the New Testament. Wait a minute, you didn't read the rest of the verse. Justice and mercy, faithfulness, that's the way to your provisions. But these are the things you should have done. Now, look, would you just read the last part with me? Here we go, read it with me without neglecting the others. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means exactly what, let me, let me give you a clearer translation. Let's go to the New Living Translation just for a second. Can we go there, guys? Please tell me you've got that. And they're up there scrambling, okay. Oh, that is it, okay, thank you, okay. <laughs> they're not scrambling, I'm scrambling, all right, okay. Well, we just got it unscrambled. Here we go. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Is it the most important thing? No. But how many of you know that even what we would deem small things are important in our lives, amen? 
I mean, thou shalt not steal. That's pretty important, is it not? He said, well, I don't know. Well, I want to say this to you. When you don't tithe, we're going to find out in a minute, you steal from God. You steal from God. Now, it's getting quiet. Donna told me, smile a lot, so here it goes. I'm doing the best I can, all right? I said, I'm going to smile, but I'm going to tell them what the Bible says. God commands us to tithe from our income, and it's, that's a command that's never changed. Why should, look at me. We are on this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection of Jesus. Why should the people that were on the other side give more money to the Lord than I do on this side of the cross? Why should an Old Testament believer give more to God than I do? I need to give more than they did, <laughs> not less. I believe Jesus tithed. I believe we're supposed to tithe. Tithing, that commandment has never changed. God's test to tithe is unchangeable. Secondly, God's test to tithe is unambiguous. And by that, I mean it is as clear as a bell. It, it, there's no misunderstanding this text. I mean, you can't miss what he's saying. Malachi, I mean, he, he's the last of the prophets in the Old Testament. Man, he, he gave it straightforward. And he gives us several things here, three plain, clear, unambiguous statements. Those who, first, first one is this, those who don't tithe, steal from God. Would you read that with me? Those who don't tithe steal from God. Where in the world did you get that? You know what I'm about to say out of the Bible. Look at verse seven. But you say, how shall we return? And then God goes into his purpose here of this text. Will a man rob God? Can you, now just get the picture there. Walk up to God and try to rob him. Will a man rob God? Yet you, prophetic you, you, he didn't say some people, he said you are robbing me. God's talking. But you say, how have we robbed you? Oh, glad you asked. In tithes and offerings. Will a man rob God? Will a man... Pick God's pocket. Will a man steal from his creator? But you're robbing me. How have we robbed you? They're amazed that God would accuse them of something like that. Totally unaware, apparently. They'd stolen from God in tithes and offerings. Whenever they refused to take from their crop and their harvest, 10%, and bring it to the temple, to the storehouse, they robbed God. Same applies to you and me. We don't have crops. Most of us don't. But we get a paycheck. We get some sort of income. And a tenth of that, a tithe of that, belongs to the Lord. When you don't tithe, 
I know this is hard, but you're stealing from God. When you don't tithe, you're stealing from God. You're spending what doesn't belong to you. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Hey, guess what? It all belongs to the Lord. <laughs> but the 10% sure does. So will a man rob God, yet you're robbing me? You say, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? That's unambiguous. Those who don't tithe steal from God. It's also unambiguous in the sense that those who don't tithe experience, now this is really strong, okay? But they experience God's curse. We don't think God can curse anybody. We just believe God is the blesser. He is the blesser. Aren't we grateful for his blessings? But you also ought to thank God that he hasn't sent all of his curses upon you. The same God who can bless can also curse. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. Why? For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Blessings and cursings, they're, they're all over the Bible. And God blesses people who are obedient and God curses people who are disobedient. If you walk obediently with God, now listen to what I'm about to say. If you walk obediently with God, you can't be cursed. Where is that in the Bible? Proverbs 26, 2. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. One of the things I pray all the time, because I know we have Satanists and Wiccans and everybody else praying against Bellevue. If you don't believe that, you're living in another world. I mean, there are Satanists that hate what we do. There are Wiccans that hate what we do. There are people that are in the occult that hate the name of Jesus. And they pray against us. They actually Try to put curses on us. But guess what? God, if we'll just do right, will turn every one of their curses into a blessing. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 23, 5. It's so good. Would you read it with me? This is good stuff. This is not little shallow, ankle-deep Christianity right here, all right? I'm getting you in some of the good stuff. All right, here we go. Read it with me. Nevertheless, the Lord your God was not willing to listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. How many of you know God can turn a curse into a blessing? Amen. The more they curse, I pray this all the time, Lord, the more they curse Bellevue, the more I ask you to bless Bellevue. You got to join me in that prayer. And also pray for them that they would come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not against anybody, all right? I'm against what people do, but I, I love everybody. And I want Satanists and Wiccans, I pray for them all the time, to be saved. I've seen some of those people get saved and set free. And it's a wonderful thing. You're talking about somebody, we, we had somebody that played in our orchestra in one of my churches, and she was a Wiccan, and she got saved. I want to tell you something. That gal could flat play a tambourine, all right? Especially when she got saved, all right? 
We get off of that. Verse 9, you're cursed with a curse. You're robbing me, the whole nation of you. You say, well, that's just one text. No, 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 no. Haggai. You better know these Old Testament prophets because when you go to heaven, they're going to come up and say, how'd you like my book? (laughs) What's your name? Haggai. Uh, Malachi. Uh, Obadiah. Yeah, there's the guy. One chapter. Amen. Look what Haggai said. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. They'd come back from being in exile. They'd come back from Babylonian captivity. And they start building their houses, but they won't build the house of God. That's what's going on. Time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now watch, you have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you are not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't stay warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down that timber, rebuild my house, then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of host armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. It's because of you that the heavens withheld the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and your hills, a drought to wither the grain and the grapes and the olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock to ruin everything you've worked so hard to get. That's in the Bible. Just like John 3, 16. You don't do it my way, God says. I won't bless your way, even in finances. You don't do it my way. I'm going to make sure that the 100% you keep will not have as much buying power as it would have had if you'd have given me that 10% and you'd have kept the 90%. You'll have more spending power with the 90% after you tithe than you will the 100% if you steal from God. You're cursed with a curse. You're robbing me. God's test to tithe is unambiguous. It's clear. You may not like it, but it's clear. And then those who do tithe pass God's test. Don't you like passing a test? You don't, don't you like it when you go and you take a test to drive and they actually give you a driver's license? That's kind of nice. Look at verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Let's just walk through this. This is the quintessential Primary verse on tithing in the whole Bible, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The whole tithe means 
That's, what, that's the starting point. I've heard people say, well, just, you know, start at 5% and go up to, uh, you know, 6% next year. And then uh, that's, you know, that's kind of like saying, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about getting married, you know, or whatever, and, and, and say to your prospective spouse, you know, I'll, I'll live with you 50% of the time. And then the next year, 60% of the time. What are you talking about? Get all in or get all out. The starting place is not 5%, it's 10%. You're a legalist. No, I'm a biblicist. Big difference. Big difference. Big difference. (laughs) I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying. Into the storehouse. Who's the recipient? Well, I'll just take my 10% and give a little here, a little there, a little there, a little there, and give Bellevue a little bit. No, no, no. Storehouse gets the 10%. The offerings are above that. Storehouse today is the church. You give an undesignated 10% to the budget. Then if you want to give the love offering, go for it. You want to give to... Arise to read, go for it. But that's above the 10%. Above it. Undesignated. Who are you to designate giving to God? So there may be food in my house. That's how a church honors God. And that's how a church is supposed to get its needs met. We don't do fundraisers. We don't sell raffle tickets. We don't play bingo. We don't sell pies and cakes to raise money for the children's ministry. We don't do that because it doesn't honor God. Well, I know church, I'm not talking about other churches. I'm talking about Bellevue. God says, give tithes and offerings. So we're not going to sell cookies. You want to bake some cookies? Bring them on. But we're not selling them, all right? Amen. You say, what about the bookstore? It loses money every year. because Not because they're poor workers or not good workers, but because we don't run that thing to make money. We do it as a ministry. As a ministry. Same thing with our cooking. We lose money every year on the meals that we cook. Every year. We don't lose money, but we don't make money, all right? In the sense that we fund that with the budget. See if I will not open the windows of heaven. Pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. That's miraculous. And don't tell me that doesn't work. Don't tell me. I get teary-eyed thinking about back when we got married. Donna was making $10,000 a year. She qualified as a teacher for the free meal that they, everybody got, you know, that didn't have a lot of money. I was working, making $3.50 an hour at Piggly Wiggly, 20 hours a week. Brought home less than $60 a week. But look at me. We made it. And we tithed off of every bit of it. I've tithed all my life. Don't don't tell me it doesn't work. 
Don't you even go there with me. There's no way. There's no way that God didn't bless us for being obedient. Many times when we got through, it, it, there was more there was more stuff to pay for than paycheck, but it all worked out. I've seen it happen for 40 years. I knew an elderly lady one time. I put her on the stewardship committee. Somebody said, why would you put her on there? Because she lost her husband when she was very young. In her, in her late 30s, they had eight children, and she raised those kids by herself. She never made much money, but she took care of all of them. They never went without food or clothes. And she said, Pastor, here's the way I've always thought about tithing. This lady was not wealthy, anything like that, but I put her on the stewardship committee because she said this. I said, anybody with that much sense, I want them in there. <laughs> Amen. She said, if I always said if God gave me a dollar, I could give a dime of it. If God gave me a dollar, I could give a dime of it. She said, it was just real simple to me. She said, all my kids are grown. Everything's okay. Those who do tithe pass God's test. God's test to tithe is unambiguous. And very quickly, God's reward for tithing is unrestrained. You want, you, want to, you want to just really put God in motion? Tithe. Look at verse 10. Test me now in this. Can you just see God saying that? Hey, little one, put me to the test. See if I mean business about this. See if I'll do what I say. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer so that it will not destroy the fruits of your ground. Remember, remember Haggai? You plant seeds, but the devourer comes along and wipes it all out because you want to build your house. You got enough money to spend on your stuff, but you won't build the house of God. You think your house is more important than my house? I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast off its grapes, says the Lord. All the nations, everybody's going to notice, are going to call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land. Beulah land is what it means, says the Lord of hosts. Nowadays, if you say, if you'll just obey God, he will bless you. People say, that's works, that's works. No, it's not. It's just the way the Bible works. <laughs> it's the way God works. When you do the do's and don't do the don'ts, you get blessed. When you do what God says, he blesses you. And when you don't do what God says, he curses you. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer from you. It will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast off its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. God will put a protective hedge around you. I believe in those protective hedges. 
Sometimes God will let something through and it'll be tough and you don't understand it, but you know what? He always brings you through, does he not? Let's go to the other side. I preached on that recently. He'll always take you through those things to make you better, to refine you. But I want to tell you something. You look at me. When you tithe, God puts a protective bubble around you and he says, I'm going to supply your needs because you did it my way. You trusted me. What happens is we start, as Jethro would say, ciphering. We start thinking. And we say, that just doesn't work. You know what? Salvation would never work, but it works. If it's up to man, salvation, we'd never get saved. But God, say that with me, but God. That's the difference. When you do it God's way, you get blessed God's way. And God doesn't say hoard everything. God says, you give me 10% and you watch how I miraculously bless that other 90%. You just watch. Put me to the test. And other people are going to find it out. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land. This sure does remind me of something that Jesus said. Could we read Matthew 6, Read it with me. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now watch. And all these things. How many things? What does all mean? Thank you. Been telling y'all that for 16 years. I know some of you still don't believe it. I can't do anything about that. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. But I just want to tell you, it's so routine for me and Donna now. It's fun. And by the way, we don't tithe. We quit that a long time ago. We way more than tithe. You say, are you bragging? No, I'm bragging on God. That's the easiest, best thing we do. When we get a paycheck, first thing. You say, you're a legalist. No, being obedient, thank you very much. Not a legalist, a biblicist. Big difference. God said, give it first, I give it first. I don't pay anything, anybody. That's what some of y'all are doing. I get my check and I pay all my bills and I give God what's left over. God doesn't deserve nor does he desire your leftovers. He doesn't want your spare change and your, your pocket change and your spare time. God is worthy of your best. And your best is give it right out of the gate and watch what he does. Watch what he does. Watch those windows of heaven start opening up. And you're saying, wow, my kids hadn't had a snotty nose in five months. Wow. Car's doing great. Wow. MLGW must have the wrong house. I can't believe they just charged me this. 
You say, you've lost your mind. No, I found it. I have peace of mind because I don't do it man's way. I do it God's way. We're always praying for a miracle. You want to see a miracle? Tithe. It's kind of like I heard somebody say one time, said, you know, there's that old bumper sticker. If you love Jesus, honk. He said, don't honk, tithe. Any goose can honk, amen? <laughs> amen. If you love Jesus, tithe. <laughs> you wanna hear what happened to that, that couple? All right. I don't read my notes, I'll just tell you. So, like a week later, they were all, been out of shape. They heard about a house for sale. They looked it up online. They liked it. Went and looked at it. 40 other people looking at it. Were they still tithing? Yes, they kept on tithing. They went, looked at it, came home. They didn't even have their house on the market. But they remembered somebody had called earlier and said, I, I'd like to look at your house. They called this lady and she said, you won't believe this. I just put a contract on another house and somebody else got it. I'm very interested in your house. She came over, looked at it, said, how much you want for it? They told her. She said, I'll give that. That very day. Next day, they went ahead and put a bid in on that house. Got a call. Just a few days later, four people had done the same thing, but the owner selected them out of the four. In two days, they sold their house and bought a house. And they're living in the house. And they say, this is our tithing house, amen? This is the house that God gave us, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> You say, I don't believe that. That's on you, not on me. God knows I told the truth. I'm a satisfied customer when it comes to tithing. 